Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. Last week, we talked about TensorFlow Lite, which was the Android version of TensorFlow, uh, which was Google's AI library. So I searched around and found some of the talks that they did on TensorFlow Lite, and it's a lot like just normal TensorFlow, as you would expect. Um, you train it still, you train the model on a dedicated computer with a GPU, some better hardware, and then you use that model on a phone like an Android. They also have it for iOS and for Raspberry Pi. And what a model is when you're talking about AI, um, effectively AI at the lower levels is, did you ever play with the linear regression on your calculator, Stephen? Uh, yeah, once or twice. Yeah, so you put in a bunch of points and it'll try and find the line that fits those points best. It's a statistics thing. So at lower levels of complexity, AI is pretty much just one of those linear regression algorithms. It just finds the line of best fit, but instead of doing it through um, the two data points, your X and Y, it does it through 256 data points or something like that. Right. So there's a lot more numbers that it's got to deal with. And so that big math equation that you plug it into Finding what that math equation is is really hard, but once you know what that line is that goes through all your data, you can just plug in the numbers and get an output. And that's actually not too hard to do on an iPhone or on an Android device. So it's easier to do than you would expect, I suppose. It's easier to have AI on a phone. Hmm. It's weird to think about AI uh, as something so simple, I guess. Um, it's weird to think about something as complicated as trying to make something that is intelligent as just a bunch of linear regressions. Yeah, effectively. that's, And then it steps up from that, just like you go from addition to multiplication. You go from the regression model to the recurrent model, and it just keeps getting more complicated. Um, but so the problem right now with the Android TensorFlow libraries um is that you need to have someone dedicated pretty much. All the optimization, all of the making it run faster is done manually. So like you or I couldn't do just whip together a little AI app in a weekend and have it actually run efficiently on a phone. You would need to be part of a team that had the AI guy who just sat around all day and custom made compilers so that your AI would build properly right, right. and be efficient. Um, and so what they're trying to do now is build better APIs, um, better ways for the developers to access that without having to do all of the little minutiae of optimization. That makes sense. Yeah. So what's the difference between TensorFlow and TensorFlow Lite? They weren't super specific, just that TensorFlow Lite is supposed to go into embedded systems in phones like a Raspberry Pi or a phone. Okay. And the full TensorFlow is supposed to be on a computer or somewhere in the cloud with better hardware capabilities. Oh, okay. So TensorFlow Lite is just less processing for the device you're running it on. Yeah. One of the optimizations they talked about was quantization, which I didn't entirely understand. But as far as I got it, basically when it's finding these best fits and putting the uh, boundary conditions into this big mathematical equation, 
it will kind of round a little more than it would normally. And that's what quantization does. It's rounding to the nearest different number. And that means that you have to do less math and also means that you need less space to store this algorithm. Okay. But they did show off a couple things that you could use AI for because we were talking before about, I don't know, what even do you use AI on? And so their TensorFlow Lite application for this one was just sensing if a cucumber was on a table. They had a bunch of different sensors that they fed into a Raspberry Pi and they would sense if the cucumber was on a table. Then they fed the picture of that cucumber up to a cloud AI and the cloud AI would sort it into nine different classes of cucumber that apparently this one cucumber farm had to delineate all their cucumbers into. <laughs> uh, and, and this kid just like didn't want to help his dad cucumber farm. So he was like, here, I'll, I'll uh, make a computer do it for me. Wow. And yeah. And so we used AI to sort these cucumbers out and the light version of it pretty much only just detected based on, I think, weight and color and that kind of thing, if there was a cucumber on the plate. And then a larger AI in the cloud actually sorted it into one of the nine categories. All right. Yeah, that's a really, that's a at least pretty good use for AI. Yeah. It, yeah, I suppose. It's not groundbreaking, uh, but least... I don't think it needs to be. Yeah. The light one, it was kind of odd because I would think that's not an AI thing you need to do necessarily. It could just be like a weight measurement. Right. Unless it took the weight measurement and also like analyzed the color on the plate to see if it was some green. So if you just leaned on it, it didn't trigger. Hmm. The other one was a lot more interesting, actually. They Did you know that Japan has a national exercise? I did not. Yeah, they have a national radio exercise that they do. It just broadcasts on Japan public radio this music that you dance to. (laughs) And everyone in Japan or most people in Japan know how to do this exercise. And so these two people giving the talk on how to use TensorFlow, they were just like, oh, also there's this scorer to tell you how well you did this national exercise. (laughs) You hold your phone in your hand and it's measures how your hand moves and just kind of and then based on the different okay hmm? and just tries to figure out the rest of your body by the motion of your hand yeah i think what they do is they take all of the different accelerometer and all the different movement data that your phone gives off and it draws that in plugs it into an ai and then they have someone doing it right someone doing it wrong models that they can check against and they just stood on stage and did the exercise with their phones in their hand for a couple minutes. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And and that was the end of the talk. The dance, my initial thought was you could probably do that with an algorithm rather than AI, but I imagine that it's less so that you could do it with an algorithm, but that they were able to do it with an AI much easier. Yeah. Because rather than basically just guessing and checking an algorithm until it works right, Now they have an AI that will guess and check for them. I'm pretty sure that AIs are just guessing and checking really fast. Yeah, seems about right. So I have a story to tell, and I'm a little bit uh, disturbed isn't the right word, but uh, off-put by it, a little off-put by it. I was walking down my fairly long driveway to get the mail from my mailbox, and I was thinking about the things on my to-do list, and not really thinking about walking, which... I mean, why would I? It's just walking. Mm -hmm. And my thoughts were interrupted 
by this bird. It was calling. It was calling pretty loudly and to a beat. And then I noticed that I was walking to that same beat. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that bird mind controlled me. Intentionally? Uh, probably not. But you never know. Yeah, I I bet it. I bet the bird was, it had nefarious purposes. It wanted me to walk at that specific pace. I don't know why. If you hadn't snapped out of it, maybe it would have just walked you straight like into the road as a car passed by. Yeah. It's, that bird has something against you, Stephen. I need to be more attentive to the pace at which I walk. Yeah. I can't be thinking about other things. You told me this story earlier in the week, and at first you said the bird was chirping to a beat, or it was sounding off to a beat, and... I immediately thought of the chainsaw bird. I don't remember what its name is. Um, but it's this bird that can mimic a bunch of really odd sounds that you wouldn't expect to come out of a bird. And so my first thought was that there was something like this bird that was doing the drum cadence from our high school. And that's why he was <laughs> so naturally just dancing along or not dancing, marching along to it. So, yeah, Zach sent me this video of the bird and I was... I was really impressed uh, first when it could. They showed it um, mimicking the shutter of a camera, like the chick mm -hmm. And then it, that's kind of cool, but you know, whatever. It's a, I could do that too. Um, you just did. Yeah, I know. Uh, but then it <laughs> also mimicked the motor of the camera. The, uh, I'm not really even sure what the motor does, but it's it the, whirs. yeah, it whirs. And I don't think I can do that. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a sort of. <laughs> that's not that's not the right sound either. No, it isn't. But the bird can do it. <laughs> and then it. What else did it do? It mimicked a chainsaw, which I, I definitely can't do well. Yeah, but it sounded the, just the like chainsaw a chainsaw. Is probably the best in my in my opinion. The chainsaw is the most shocking. I'm just wondering. Uh, if a bird could mimic our cadence. Yeah, I guess the, the chainsaw and the the whirring you can keep doing because it's the same sound over and over. Yeah. And the cadence has a lot of intricacies to it. Well, I mean, it's a high school, so... But yeah, more so than a chainsaw. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. we need to kidnap some need... of those birds from the rainforest and just nonstop play a cadence at them and see what they do. I think we should play each part of the cadence to a different bird. So, like so one the bass drum the for one bass bird, drum. the snare drum for another, yep, and the quads for another, and then we get, we just got to get them to start at the right time. I feel like coordinating that would. It might be easier just to have one do try and do all the sounds. Well, I can't even do all the sounds, like because they have. You can't at the make same a time. chainsaw noise either. True, but I can't make. I don't think that even the bird can make multiple pitches at once. Yeah. I'm actually wondering what the bird's voice box or whatever it uses to make those noises looks like and how it's different from, like, every other animal ever. Yeah. I know literally nothing about that side of biology, so I couldn't even yeah, speculate. Either. But if I... you know, dear listener, then... <laughs> <laughs> So, Stephen, this is a total diversion, so as long as you're done with birds... I am. All right. So, this is a question, but also I have some of my own opinions that I want to talk about in depth. So, first of all, 
What do you think are the biggest problems with ebooks? Um, well, personally, uh, there is you, you not... don't have a you don't have a Kindle, right? No, I don't. Or and a, that an is my my biggest well, I have an iPad and it has iBooks on it. But as far as I can tell, there's no library-esque thing for ebooks. You have to buy them. Okay. There's no way to just have a book for two weeks without there, having to pay money for it. There are some ways to do it for two weeks. Some of them do a maximum of one week, but a lot of our local libraries I know, up where you are, do have uh, Overdrive is the software that they use, and you can lend out Kindle and Nook books. Okay, well, my, my, my drawback for it is uh, I have to pay to read things, which... I don't have to do with real books. Okay, so the the price is your limiting factor right now. Not the price per se, because it's not that expensive. It's just that it is a non-zero value. Zero. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that that makes sense. Uh, I suppose I already got the biggest jump taken by getting the Kindle. So now it's each individual book, which I can stomach a little more. And also, I could, if I was able to read books in two weeks, get it from the library. Mm -hmm. My biggest two issues are there's no way to display them. As much as it's extremely vain and totally unnecessary, there's <laughs> something that feels right about having a whole shelf full of books of like, hey, look at me, I've read all of these books. And there's no way to do that with ebooks because they're all locked down into DRM, so there's no way to build up some solution as a display and there's definitely no pre-made display yeah but you also can't do that with library books you'd ha still have to yeah i mean i get what you're saying yeah yeah but i've bought these kindle books yeah i that makes sense uh is there like i know in ibooks at least there's a like screen that shows all of the books you read not like in a bookshelf kind of thing it's not you have to pull it up and show someone but it is there is it like the iTunes screensaver, kind of? Uh, it's... Or is I, it a checklist? It's been a little while since I've looked at it, so let me just pull it up. Okay, so it, it is shelves that just doesn't have the look of shelves, necessarily. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, um, I don't think Kindle has that. Kindle does have a Goodreads tie-in, though, so maybe there's a way to build a display that plugs into Goodreads. I bet there's a Goodreads API. So, what are you looking... Uh, I know what you're thinking about, Zach, but maybe our listeners don't. Yeah, uh, I want to build a digital bookshelf to show off the books that I've read. <laughs> okay, and the nice thing about the digital one is it could scroll through effectively. You don't, you aren't limited to just that space. It can keep showing all of them. And also, I suppose if it's linking from Goodreads, you could show the books you've read but are back at the library or the books that are on a Kindle. Oh yeah, you're right. Hmm. So okay, you're looking that's... for a super ultra wide display. Yeah. That you could put on a shelf. Yeah, I, I suppose now that's what it is. Before I was trying to figure out how to tie my Kindle into this display or get the display to access Amazon. Hmm. So with a Raspberry Pi, you could just hook that up to the display. Yeah. And then. I wonder if good. I'm gonna see if Goodreads has an API. Okay. 
Okay, there's an API. It will, we will see what it actually is able to do. Okay, you can connect to your Goodreads account. All right. Um, here's the thing from... It's called Goodreads Connect. Let members connect to their Goodreads account and you'll have full access to the books in their shelves, their rating, their reviews, and their and their friends. Mm -hmm. So looks like you'll have access to your My Books tab, which... Ah, okay. So you can make a shelf called Own Books, and so you could only show their owned books? Yeah, yeah, you could. This is and, becoming more, more plausible. And there's also the uh, shelves you can access a specific, like their Have Read shelf. Yeah, right. And then within that shelf. I'm looking at the public API methods list. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely list the books owned by the user. Mm -hmm. And then you can take that information and probably just make a little Python script that makes a little, that creates a little di digital image of a hardcover book. Yeah. And then place it next to whatever you're doing, I guess. I I don't know anything about the canvas that you'd have to create with Python. That mm -hmm. is not something I've ever ha tried to do. I don't think Python's really made for canvases. No, definitely not. Maybe you could do it... Um, you could make a web page, a uh, web 2.0 thing. Yeah. And with some JavaScript, you could pull from that API. Hmm, okay. And then, yeah, that'd be easier because it'd just be some HTML tags. And Yeah, and there's you a lot make of a, stuff like a, You could just make a polymer. Signage. Yeah, right, right. And as far as scrolling, I think finding a touchscreen that, that, that wide is going to be tough. Oh, I just meant automatically scrolling. Oh, yeah, that makes... It oh, that's even better. Through. That way you don't have to even interact with it. You just keep going. Or in an hour, every hour it could dissolve right. out the books and build new ones up. All right, so that's that's feasible. That's one problem solved by Stephen and Zach. We've solved <laughs> one of the three, the only three problems with ebooks. Um, <laughs> the last one I feel like we'll be able to solve less just on our own, um, which is DRM, which is... Sorry, you're going to have to bleep this, which is bullshit. Um, yep. I understand all of the interest in it, and I understand why you would want it, but there are definitely cases where DRM has really negatively affected people who own things. Uh, so one example, there's actually a case of a woman who had like a huge Kindle library, and then she did something that Amazon didn't like, they deleted her account, and by deleting her account, they deleted all of her books. Hmm. And any time anyone can use the phrase deleted all of their books, I'm hesitant to say the best. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, she was just, she did something that Amazon didn't like, so Amazon revoked her access to the books that she bought. Yes. Okay. Which they wouldn't be and, able to do if she bought the physical copies, is what you're saying. Yeah. No one can take away my right to own, or, yeah, my right to have a book hmm. that I purchased. Yeah, but I also see where Amazon's coming from, which is when you're buying a digital good from them mm -hmm. to, uh... They, they've made a, a deal with them, the you don't publisher. Really, yeah, yeah the, the terms of service of that book is, uh, you aren't really buying it, you are rent renting it with a one-time fee 
as long as we say it's okay. Yeah. So it's not this, yours this to sell true. again. This is true. So like with a with, with a book, I could go to, I could sell it to my friend, mm-hmm. but that digital copy, because it's digital, has a, I could just I could make a copy very very easily. Correct. Without a DRM on it. Yeah. So that's that's why we want DRM. But the problem mm-hmm. with DRM as it is now on eBooks especially is that they're all centralized. So the solution, decentralized DRM. Okay. <laughs> um, I maybe this isn't even possible, but my thought is that there there's another digital thing that we are trying to get to act much more like a physical good, and that you can only have one of it anywhere on the internet. Bitcoin. Oh, blockchain books. Blockchain books. Okay. And that would allow for reselling and lending, but also limit the number of books. Okay. I think I have a solution that is a bit easier than blockchain. Okay. I'm all for it. Uh, should we explain blockchain quick? Probably, yeah. Okay. So the way Bitcoin works is... Um... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> the way Bitcoin works is someone has a piece of information that is that has value. That yeah is equivalent to a dollar say mm-hmm. and to protect that information because you can't you don't want to just be able to copy it you encrypt it essentially with everything that came before it all the mm-hmm. chain that came before it and then that keeps going on with transactions every time a bitcoin is exchanged or part of a bitcoin is exchanged everything is re-encrypted yeah with the previous transactions as a hash. And we've explained hashes before, but basically condensing information into one string that is a set number of characters. Mm-hmm. So the point is, it's going to be, it was extremely hard to do for currency, and it will be even more difficult with books. Because the one thing about Bitcoin is that the way that, the reason this works for Bitcoin is because you don't really need to decrypt it to verify it. Yeah. But with books, you need to decrypt it to read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, which is why I don't think that's a very good idea. <laughs> yeah. All right. But... Uh, the solution I thought of was Amazon gives you a piece of software that lives locally on your computer. Okay. And they can't take it away from you because it's now on your computer. Mm-hmm. And then they give you, when they give you a book, they give you a physical file, not a physical file, a digital file Yeah. that, that is encrypted, but the software that they give you can decrypt it uh, within that piece of software, within the binary. So if you're using the software that you own, you can read the book. Okay. The file is still yours, but you can't give it to someone else because they don't have... Oh, wait, never mind. You could just give them the software. Darn. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right, so we're back to blockchain. Let's yeah. figure out a way to make blockchain work. I, I don't know enough about blockchain right now to... Yeah. Mm. To, to build up a full software stack that could <laughs> re-envision the world of ebooks. Because if you're doing it with blockchain, you'd also need to have this blockchain-compatible Kindle-type device. 
Well, yeah, but that's the easy part, is just to say Amazon have a solution to your DRM problem that will make people hate you less. Amazon doesn't always seem super concerned with how much anyone hates them. True, but if we offer the solution, that's all we can do. Because we also can't write the ebooks too. Like, we, at some point, we have to hand this off to someone. Yeah. Um, right. So is, is blockchain our homework? It, yeah, it's going to have to be. Um, I'm looking at ultra-wide displays. Oh, okay. And the biggest looks like it is... The biggest one from LG, which is the the probably the best display maker mm -hmm. uh, as of right now, um, is a 38-inch 21 by 9 ultra-wide, which... But it's curved, which is less yeah. than ideal. The curve isn't quite what I'd want. Yeah. Custom make LCD hardware, and oh then... Oh, gosh. <laughs> this got a lot more expensive and a lot more work very quickly. Well... <laughs> How badly do you need to be vain, Zach? Oh, that just encourages... That, that not encourages it, that improves it. If my vanity pushes me to spend <laughs> more money, that's the whole point. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Are you tracking your water because you're vain as well? That was terrible. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> actually, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Decent segue, Stephen. Um, so I have been water tracking. It's uh, just an app on my phone that reminds me if I haven't been drinking enough water to drink water. I think the Apple Watch does it too, but I don't have an Apple Watch, so doing it on my phone. The good news is... For my weight, my recommended amount of water is almost exactly just four times the water bottle that I usually carry around, which is 22 ounces. Oh, So my helpful. recommended daily water is 88 ounces. Is that so, practical? Yeah, that's I, practical. I can't really that's... envision 88 ounces of water in my head. Like, could, What's that in gallons? I have no clue. Uh, your average like sports water bottle is roughly 18 to 20 ounces so four times a sports water bottle okay uh 88 fluid ounces is 0.68 gallons okay so a bit over half a gallon of water a day that's not bad no but i started doing it because well partially out of vanity um because it helps with under eye bags and that kind of thing just clears your skin up when you drink more water Right. Who knew? Water was good for you. <laughs> uh, and additionally, I've been working in the union at school, and the union is a giant block of concrete with, like, two windows in the whole building or something. It's, it's, it's not my favorite architecture. <laughs> so when I'm working in there, sometimes a couple hours will go by and I won't even notice it consciously because I haven't been able to see the time go by through windows and that kind of thing. So having my phone to remind me to drink water every once in a while has left me leaving work a lot happier because I'm not feeling kind of run down and dehydrated. Oh, okay. And it was it was weird that that was the one thing that really helped, but I've been working in the union a lot this last week and also tracking water, and it's felt so much better than when I was just working in the union without worrying about my water. That's awesome. What yeah. app are you using? Um, let's see. It's the one on my phone. It's probably just called Water Drink Reminder. There we go. For Android, I didn't look to see if there's a 
comparable app for iOS. All right, let me check here. Okay, nothing by the same name, but I'm sure there are plenty of apps. We'll, I'm going to find a good one and put it in the show notes. Are you tracking just water or all fluids? Just water. If I drink tea or something, that's a boost, but I try to keep that baseline of 88 ounces of water. Okay. Yeah. One of the times I've been drinking water is when I'm on the elliptical. Uh, <laughs> Transition king. You know you know me. That's what I do. Um, so at the end of the last podcast we did, we talked about uh, Reemd by Neil Stevenson. And so I'd read that in preparation for the book club later on. And one of the components of that was this guy works while he's on a treadmill. And I don't have a standing or walking desk of any sort. So I've just been taking my Kindle down and reading on the elliptical every night before I go to bed, which is good because I used to exercise and then get back and then open up the Kindle and start reading for a while. And it just makes a lot more sense to be doing them both at the same time. Yeah, it does. So I finished the last half of uh, Homeland by Cory Doctorow in one or two weeks. Oh, cool. So yeah, I might want to good... look into that because I, I've been doing the seven-minute high-intensity workouts mm -hmm. from Carrot Fit, which is one of the many very hilarious Carrot apps. But um, And I like that a lot because it makes me feel good afterwards. Um, makes me feel like I am doing something mm -hmm. while I think just walking on uh, are you like how fast are you running on the elliptical i guess it's it's enough to get up a sweat but not much more than that okay i i acknowledge for sure that it's not a full i couldn't just live doing these alone but for the days that i don't do like a seven minute workout or something like that it's better to get down the on the elliptical and read than not do anything at all yeah yeah see i think i'd have a I haven't tried, but I feel like I'd have a tough time doing anything faster than a walk and read just mm -hmm. from a distraction point of view. Yeah. But maybe, well, yeah. I'm curious yeah. to try now. Yeah. Cool. Do Have you ever considered doing any other kind of uh, work while you're uh, walking? Like, just besides reading, do, would you ever do, like, homework or something? Well, so I was reading Homeland and not reamdy on the treadmill because i try and take notes for the book club and there's only one little ledge that i can put all my stuff on oh so maybe once i popped my the little tablet chunk out of my computer and set that down and walked on the treadmill for an hour or something just brainstorming ideas for one of my papers but it's hard to fit much more than a tablet or the kindle onto that little ledge that they have provided. Gotcha. So I'm not opposed to it, just don't have the means to do it right now. How strong is that ledge? Uh, it's just a chunk of plastic built into the treadmill, or the hmm. elliptical, I'm not sure. I'm just envisioning like a something you could put on the... I'm imagining like a little clip on it. It's like a... The ledge, it's... um. It has a little stopper at the end, so your crap yeah. doesn't fall off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you put something on that, which connects to a larger table-ish thing. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> like, um, 
Uh, I definitely get some weird looks. It's the shared <laughs> dorm gotcha. workout space. So, well, I think they'd just be jealous, not. Uh... <laughs> I suppose, yeah. It'd be the new new fashion trend, not a fashion trend. I don't know what I'm saying. It'd be all the rage. That's the phrase. <laughs> you know, I could probably walk and play Euro Truck Simulator. That'd be a lot of motion, all in one. <laughs> I probably not actually. The, those controls are just way too um, sensitive for me. There's some really finicky controls. I agree. Um, but yeah, I've been playing Euro Truck Simulator a lot recently. Um, it's really good for listening to podcasts because it takes just enough of my attention to not be distracting from the podcast, but mm-hmm. also engaging enough so that I'm not feeling like I should be doing something while I'm listening to the podcast. I Personally, I can't just listen to a podcast while sitting on the couch. I need to be doing something else while I'm listening to it. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish there was just a free drive mode in Eurotruck because it because I don't necessarily want to turn off the highway yet. I want to just keep going, mm-hmm. but whatever. I know um, when I first got my license, a lot of people were talking about how, oh, it's so freeing just to like go out in the middle of the night and drive somewhere. And I never really got that because there's so much stress. I can't handle the stress of driving personally. But Euro Truck Simulator, if you flip the vehicle over, all you do is hit a button and it starts you back where you left off and <laughs> docks you like 100 credits or whatever. And so it's, I think that feeling of just going and driving without any of the stress for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely meant to be played with a steering wheel and uh, pedals mm-hmm. because I, with my mouse at least, it's not a gaming mouse by any means. It's a tiny little thing that fits in my backpack, which is good enough for me but most of the time. But it, if you bump it a little bit, it'll basically just put you in the other lane of traffic, which is not good. Oh. So I had to turn the sensitivity way down, and now I have to um, basically traverse my desk to do a a real turn. <laughs> huh. a, a friend lent me a razor when I was playing Euro Truck Simulator, so I don't quite know that pain. I could just set up set up the movement on my own. Uh, I've been working on my vlogs. I talked about them probably a month ago, two months ago, and... Now that it's summer, I actually have time to work on them, but that means that now I'm working on the January vlog, and it's June. So there's... Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's weird editing footage from that long ago, because some parts of my life have changed, and so it's just odd seeing how it's changed, but also it's nice to revisit it. That's kind of the whole point of these vlogs for me. It's It's mostly archival. If I go back and look at my old videos, it's kind of funny i suppose to see how i was and see how i've changed but <laughs> i don't have those for the last little chunk of years because i wasn't making these vlog style videos and so i'm trying just to have them mostly for myself and then if other people watch them and enjoy them that's a bonus but right um, right and so i actually have two different youtube channels that i was kind of inspired by i suppose in the style that i edit to and that's um, Zach Little, who just makes these really weird summaries of quarters of the year. So every three months he'll do one. Oh, and wow. That's those, yeah, nothing. They're always very well edited and strange. Um, 
But yeah, someone described them as a video tribute to an eldritch god, and I liked that. That was an apt description. Oh, yeah. And and then Christopher Bingham does, uh, he did Past Bing, Future Bing, which is this attempt at a conversation through time, which turned more just into vlogs as the project went on. Gotcha. What is a conversation through time? So I think his idea with the conversation through time was that every other of the videos that he was uploading in this year, he had recorded the year before. So he recorded every other day in 2011. And then in 2012, he recorded the future Bing. So there was past Bing and then future Bing. But when you were watching, it was 2011, 2012, 2011, 2012 interspersed with each other. Oh, okay. Because he put them all out in 2012. And so the idea was that he would ask a question to future Bing and then future Bing would respond, but it didn't end up being quite like that. It's right. still a very good series and worth watching. He just did kind of a revival this year to commemorate its fifth anniversary or something. All right. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. Um, so now that I actually am editing and have time to edit, January will be out by this Wednesday. When this podcast comes out, I will guarantee it it will definitely be available <laughs> and in the show notes and you can go watch it uh right, unless you're driving good. then keep driving be safe about your vlogging vlog watching please mm -hmm. if you're flying an airplane i also recommend not watching a vlog <laughs> uh maybe like well yeah i mean that'll kill your data anyway so i bet yeah do you think you're roaming at thirty-five thousand feet or just straight up no signal no signal unless you have... Do do pilots get free Boingo in-flight Wi-Fi? Ooh, that's a good question. I think even if they did, it would not be good enough to watch a YouTube video with any sort of satisfaction. Well, then I'd bet that pilots have... Most of them have YouTube Red, because you can Ooh, download yeah. for offline viewing with YouTube Red. Okay. If you're flying a plane, and... <laughs> <laughs> if you're flying a plane, and you have, like... If it's like to Beijing or something, mm. and you have if you have dozens of hours of nothing except for fly by wire stuff, yeah, maybe then watch Zach's vlog. Okay, but if you're if you're flying any plane with manual controls, I would recommend against watching Zach's watching vlog any videos until you have safely landed and have come to a complete stop. Yeah. All until right. until you turn off the fasten seatbelt sign. Ooh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of seatbelts, I'm graduating on Sunday. I fail to see the connection, but it's like it's a metaphor. Seatbelt is like uh, so it's safety, the safety, safety of high school. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't. I, I just have to worry about screwing up my life now. Yeah. Not really. I'm not very. I'm not worried. Um, I'm. I have some weird feelings about it. Uh, we record this on Saturday, so tomorrow I will be graduating high school. Mm -hmm. And so Thursday was my last day of school. I feel like I should feel different, but I don't at all. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will tomorrow, but I doubt it. Uh, I'm not really even excited about it. it it's weird because I'm incredibly happy about it but i feel like i'm still in school like monday's gonna come and i'm going to wake up get dressed and go to and accidentally go to laconia again 
<laughs> because it's just a, like I don't even get the I'm not even getting the uh summer vacation woo that I got junior year. Yeah. I'm I'm getting like uh well, I guess it's time to uh go to college now. Like I feel like I just should go to Madison and mm-hmm. just get started. But <laughs> the weird weird limbo of the summer after senior year. Yeah. Mine mine was a really weird limbo. I worked a job and then I was going to go on some trips and the trips didn't end up happening. And then I did end up going to New York. That that summer just kind of doesn't feel like it existed. <laughs> but I guess well, make the most of it. It's the Yeah, I guess. free year. Free summer. Um I uh not quite there yet. I still have one more ceremony to go through before I can officially say I graduated high school. So in celebration of that, I thought I'd um, do something fun with my uh, graduation cap. I'm not sure if this is a tradition in other high schools, but um, it, at Laconia, at least, um, everyone, pretty much everyone, decorates their, their graduation cap, the square that you move the tassel over. Mm-hmm. Um so some people are like putting pictures of their friends and stuff on them. Some people just cover the whole thing with glitter. Some people put little quotes or sayings on them. Yeah. Um, some people like me, hot glue dinosaurs <laughs> to their graduation cap. Uh, and I have attached a bubble gun to my graduation cap. So when you pull on the tassel, it'll start uh, shooting bubbles, which that's, I'm super excited for. That's really smart. <laughs> I Is it going to shoot the bubbles in front of you or behind you? In front of me, because I want to right. be able to see them. Because it doesn't, the trigger doesn't work 100% of the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it makes the the fan the fan and the bubbles go. Except sometimes it doesn't lather the the nozzle with bubble okay, solution yeah. as well as it should. So I want to make be able. So I put it in front to be able to see. The original plan was to have three bubble guns, one in the front and two on the side, but that became very impractical just by uh, the, sh- the sheer amount of weight that would be on the top of my hat. <laughs> so I'd, I'd want to hear in a couple up ep- in the next episode. I want to hear how that went. If there's any, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna like tell me to take it off or whatever, but we'll see. Um, I attached it with it. This the thing is really cheap. That the hat is. It's just um, some fabric over a piece of cardboard cut in a square. Mm-hmm. So I just had to um, use some zip ties to get the thing to stay on. I didn't have to <laughs> even drill anything. I used to use a utility knife. All right. So now that it's summer, Stephen, are you going to get your all that sleep you've been missing through this stressful end of the school year back? Well, you see. That was the plan, and I stuck with that for exactly one night before I, once again, just stayed up because I could. Yep. And I'm really bad. I, But yeah, so I'm going to try to get my sleep habits in order. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to go to bed at 10.30 and wake up at 6 o'clock, but we'll see if that actually happens. I'm trying to figure out a way, because I don't think it's going to work. I don't think that as long as... I don't know for sure, but I don't think just getting seven and a half hours, regardless of what time you started and what time you ended, works. Yeah, no, it's it's best if you start at a constant time and wake up at a constant time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of crappy, I guess. Not super happy yeah. about it. 
I, so do you have like a particular system that you're trying to use or are you just gonna willpower through it um i'm not even willpowering through it right now i it's bad. the idea to willpower through it <laughs> the idea is to i mean the idea is to do all the things that are recommended that you do so no screens for a half hour before falling asleep mm-hmm. um no like no eating before you fall asleep no uh I, I forget the rest of them but basically just yeah. all the little handy tricks yeah do the things that get you a better night's sleep yeah for for me i know my biggest hurdle was always that living on the honors floor there were always interesting conversations happening literally just outside my room and yeah i want to do things i want to like stay out with friends or uh mm-hmm. and i'm a bit of a night owl as far as getting work done so if i'm in the zone per se uh then i'm going to stay up and continue working because i won't i won't have this feeling tomorrow i won't be able to do as much work like this tomorrow yeah yeah totally do you need to be waking up at 6 in the morning like no, what if but... you set your schedule to fall asleep at noon and wake up at 8 what would happen then? I mean, it would work, but... Um, Midnight, not noon. Yeah, I, I figured that's what you meant. <laughs> um, it would work, except I don't know what... I haven't gotten a solid job yet, so I don't know if waking up at 8 is going to work. But okay. I'm pretty sure waking up at 6 is going to work. But you don't have anything right now, Correct. Correct. Oh, so I yeah. think I suppose I could d- just you doing know. one that's more reasonable and more feasible for you and the way that you work makes a lot more sense to me. I actually just decided to switch over how my sleep schedule's working last night, so <laughs> I'm I'm currently operating right. on this weird not sleep schedule thing. Um, so I think that's a good idea. I think I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try. Switching it from going from 10.30 to 6 to 12.30 to 8. Yeah, that sounds more like it would work for you. And, yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's actually what I was doing before. Like, last week I was doing midnight to 8, and that was working out really well. I was getting stuff done that I wanted to. I could stay up and talk to people. And then I got my schedule for work for next week, and a uh, bunch of the days start at 7.00. And so waking up at eight uh, isn't really going to work anymore for me. Right. So I figured now when it's the weekend, it'd be better to get my body used to going to bed at 10, getting up at six and just chugging through it, I suppose. Part of the, along with constant dehydration, um, part of the problem with this job is that it's a variable schedule. So sometimes I'll get done at midnight and sometimes I'll have to start at six. Hmm. Yeah. So there's, yeah. that's that's an issue for me i yeah i can usually treat those as just exceptions to whatever rule i have but it seems like a lot more of my stuff this summer is going to be starting at seven or eight so it'd be better to have this earlier schedule yeah you're right but so far the transition hasn't been too hard so unless i wake up or unless i don't wake up tomorrow i suppose (laughs) then i i think that for as long as you have the ability to going with what works for you 
makes sense and then just switching when you need to. All right. Sounds good. So I have an issue, Zach. I have an issue with okay. quarks. Have you submitted a bug report? No, because the universe's uh, feedback system is less than ideal. <laughs> Meaning that is it is non-existent entirely. Yeah. So here's the thing. Electrons and quarks and other absolutely tiny particles are so tiny, in fact, that scientists have a special name for them called point particles, meaning that they are just a point. Mm -hmm. They are not an actual... They don't have size. No matter how far you zoom in on them, they don't have a physical thing that you can see. Yeah. So with electrons, electrons are just not spheres. They're just things that have a very, very tiny mass, but existent, not... It's a non-zero mass. It does have weight. So so they have mass, but zero space? Yes. They only... They are affected by gravity, but uh, not... They're affected by gravity, but they don't have a physical body to be affected by gravity. So is so, an electron's density division error? Well, yeah, I think. Huh. <laughs> I, I would say that an electron doesn't really have a density because it is just a point. Yeah, because you can't because you can't divide yeah. by zero. Uh it also has a charge. So you can sense that it's there by the gravitational force it puts off and the electromagnetic charge that it puts off. But you can't see it no matter because it's not there. It's just a thing that it's just think of it like a disrupt a disruption a disruption a disruption in space. Mm -hmm. or in the gravitational and electromagnetic fields. It's just a little disruption, I guess. Does that make sense? Okay. Am I explaining that? Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's, a, it's not a disruption in space like a particle is, like a, a proton is, is a disruption in, in space. If there was okay. nothing in space, it would just be flat. But And if there was just electrons in space, it would still just be flat. Okay. But in the... In the electromagnetic field, if there were just electrons, then it would be all weird because just just negative charges would be bad. But anyway, point is, electrons have zero size. All right. Quarks also have mm -hmm. zero size, which is a little bit more concerning than electrons because quarks, unlike electrons, make up larger particles. So a proton is made of three quarks. A proton has size. Quarks do not. <laughs> so my question is, what the heck is going on? Because so, you have three zero-dimensional particles that make yeah. up a larger three-dimensional particle I'm with size. About, with you know how like you're not actually touching things? You just get close enough that your... Uh, is it your atoms or your electrons yeah, push I against suppose. the thing? Yeah. Could that be in any way relevant to this discussion? Uh, in that they're not actually touching, but when they, they... they, So they need to take it... No, that still doesn't make any sense, because then it's just a bunch of nothing touching nothing. Yeah, that's the weird part. Cause it and just becoming seems like, something. It seems like this. it's nothing that turns into something, and it's weird. I don't like it. That's not how it works. No, it's not, because... 
if you have a ton of protons, protons and neutrons, you can make bigger things. If you have Lego bricks, you can make things out of Lego bricks. Mm -hmm. But quarks are Lego bricks that are that don't have size, making something that has size. <laughs> You're making a skyscraper out of things without size. You're That's, making I... planets out of things without size. You're making everything in the universe out of things without size. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, ah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> science isn't real. You heard it here first. Probably not. There are probably lots of places you could go to hear that science isn't real. Don't go to those places. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a way, like, because it, it's bad because I keep imagining quarks as spheres, but they're not. They're just empty. They're just empty. Protons are empty, but they're not hollow. They're empty. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. One of the things that quarks make is a movie. <laughs> uh, let me pull up my notes here. Where'd it go? There it is. I was, I was trying to think of like a, like that's a position. Like you've got the producer and the director, and they make the movie. But I couldn't couldn't think of something in time. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, should we? Is this going to be spoilerific or is this spoiler free? Pirates of the Caribbean. Talk? I I'm going to try to keep it spoiler free. Lovely. Okay. So I recently watched the fifth. Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Five. Five out of out of a... How many movies can you make out of a... What is it? A roller coaster ride? Really? It, yeah, it started as a ride at Disney. I don't remember what kind of ride, though. And they made a movie out of it. Oh. And then people liked that movie, so they made sequels, and those were bad. It didn't go the other way around? It didn't start as a movie and then yeah, go no, into a ride? It started as a ride, which is kind of weird. It is huh. abnormal. It'd be weird. So, like if they made a small world movie. <laughs> I'm sure it was planned at some point. Didn't they? Wasn't it about Superman or something? I have no idea. I'm talking about Smallville. Keep keep going. Ignore me. <laughs> okay. So the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie <laughs> is visually stunning. It is really, really, really pretty. Mm-hmm. There are just some scenes where I actually just had my jaw drop because the effects look so cool. So what... Uh, right now I'm envisioning the big one take in Avengers Age of Ultron. That was the last, like, really pretty scene that I saw. Okay. Um, there were some... I, I shouldn't have said scenes, but there yeah, were some I, really pretty scenes uh, of, like, of the boats, of um, of an island, of this... It's a magic island that you're not supposed to find, but they totally found anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's really, really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, I can't imagine a way to do it with practical effects. So, that, therefore, since I can't imagine it, no one else can. <laughs> therefore, it's CGI, which is incredible because it looks realistic. In an entire island? Yeah, essentially. They wow. cl they clearly spent a lot of their budget on just having an artist design a 3D um 
island, essentially. What made this island so it wasn't just possibly some island out in the middle of an ocean? Definitely not, and I cannot explain it without getting into spoilers. Okay, but there's definitely something about this island that is not an ocean. Yes. Okay. Uh, Also, there were some shots of the main villain in the story that were very, very cool. Um, This isn't a spoiler, but if you really want to know nothing about this movie, close your ears for a second. Three, two, one. Okay, here we go. Um... So, the main villain is cursed, and cur- cursed to be stuck in water forever. He cannot leave and go onto land. Like a fish. Yeah, but instead of uh, suffocating, he dissolves into sand. Oh. Yeah. And so did his... fish, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has very long hair, and whenever he moves... His hair moves as if it were underwater. What? It is the coolest thing ever. Because he's above water on his ship, but all of his mo- movements look looks like they're through water. That's... It is the wow. coolest thing ever. And I have no idea how they did it without... There's just no way to do it practically. Yeah. Yeah, it looks amazing. So if you're going to see this movie, do it on the biggest screen you can find. Okay. Because it is incredible. All right. That being said, this movie is, in my opinion, better than the other sequels, but not even close to as good as the first one. All right. Uh, Jack Sparrow is not as fun as this, in this movie. He's still mm-hmm. that silly character that you like, that is endearing and relatable almost, but he doesn't have that extra something that makes him, uh, m- makes you want him to win i guess Hmm. because he just kind of bumbles through this movie and all the sequels really he's kind of like important for a protagonist though yeah i I agree and that's not it's not good um are are they just banking on you he gets some laughs for sure from the first maybe um but he goes through this whole movie pretty much not having a plan like he did Hmm. in the first one throughout the whole movie maybe he doesn't tell you the plan but it is very clear that he is doing everything and everything's falling into his lap. Hmm. Even if it doesn't, he changes the plan and you are like, oh, whoa, he planned the whole thing. Wow, good job. And even if it seems like he's just a drunk that is that is also happens to be a pirate, mm-hmm. it, he's very clearly on top of things. Yeah. And this movie and pretty much all the sequels... It's not like that. He's just kind of going through without a plan and just things... He gets lucky. I've definitely heard the exact same criticism of the John Wick versus John Wick sequels. Sequel? I haven't watched those. Um, I haven't either. So... I've just heard the criticism. Okay. Uh, so, overall, really funny. Really funny at parts. Sometimes doesn't make any sense there are giant plot holes that no that they don't address but you know what it's a it's a movie based off a ride so whatever <laughs> um it always looks awesome and i hope that this is the last pirates of the caribbean movie god i hope because they can keep keep releasing the albums yes uh, the themes from them actually are good. another thing that i re- remembered from the movie uh they didn't have 
the I'm pretty sure it was John Williams who did the first one. Yeah, maybe they didn't have him do it this time, so it's a lot of retreading the old stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just playing it a little bit differently, um, but it's still good. It's just not the same. Like, uh, it's just not as good as the first. It will never be as good as the first. It just can't be. I think it could have been actually. It could have been as good as the first, but it wasn't because of the plot and the scripting, really. Hmm. All right. I have honestly only ever seen part of the first movie, so I can't speak to it that much. Yeah, and a lot of people don't like the first movie, but for the people who do like the first movie, most of them like it a lot, mm-hmm. including me. I don't. I think that's a, just a great movie. I loved it. Be sure to stick around after the outro. Uh, we'll have the little book club, the first 52 pages on our editions of Ream D by Neil Stevenson. Um, otherwise, if you aren't listening, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or on any of those other podcatchers. If you want to find us, I am at not Stephen Barry at the Twitter. And I am at the puns guy. Uh, be sure to comment, subscribe, rate, all those wonderful things that boost us as a podcast. And yeah, if you uh, heard something that you like, uh, tweet at us. If you heard something you didn't like, keep it to yourself because uh, you're wrong. I mean, tweet at us too. I I wouldn't mind (laughs) hearing what I was wrong about. I usually am. (laughs) Well, that makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) That's why the dynamic works so well. Yeah, yeah. You got someone who's wrong and someone who's not. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right, let's jump right into our uh, discussion on day one, day zero of Reemd. This is before day zero, actually. This is the prelude. Oh yeah, right. Day zero Shoot. starts next. This is day negative one of Reemd. So to me, it seemed like this whole fifty-two page chunk was pretty much the equivalent of the first line of seven eves the other neil stevenson book i've read yes i would agree with that um if you haven't read seven eves it's basically well the the starting line is this is not verbatim this is paraphrasing but Mm -hmm. a, a thing blew up the moon yeah and then the whole like several thousand pages is after that what's next Yep, and, and this one's needs this story understandably just needs more context to kind of get you into the world, and if you're not from the Midwest, get you into the Midwest mindset. I made a few notes, um, just some th- things I want to ask you about, really, Zach. Um, mm-hmm. They don't really pertain to the book per se, but some things that could be relatable. And I'm wondering if they are for you. Um, yeah. The first one I found was on page twelve on my edition and it was the paragraph is richard's ex-girlfriends were long gone but their voices followed him all the time and spoke to him like muses or furies so basically uh richard's ex-girlfriends speaking to him not Mm -hmm. literally but the voices in the back of his head saying don't take uh don't smoke the cigarette yeah or don't enjoy this last cigarette. Yeah, it's it's not don't smoke the cigarette, but it's not a good cigarette if he's constantly being berated for smoking this last cigarette. Yeah, I'm wondering if you have maybe not with girlfriends, but with 
just people in your life that you don't speak to as much that still that left a lasting impression on you that so much so that they they quote unquote speak to you so that's something i've heard from other people is that in their heads they have kind of this collection of people not inhabiting their heads not um split personality necessarily but that there are many different people kind of some council in their heads mm-hmm. and i don't have that sometimes i look at the stuff that i've done and it's been really stupid and i just go oh god why did i do that but <laughs> it's not outside of me i suppose all right do you have a different experience uh, with that yeah i i would agree that i don't i definitely don't have a there's a voice in the back of my head saying don't do that but it's not in anyone's voice i guess mm-hmm. huh i have no clue where it was from but i just took the note that probably half of all the wikipedia entries on midwesterners are about serial killers <laughs> that's funny oh, I mean, okay yeah it was just that the fact that he was big enough to have a wikipedia page that like in this sphere i suppose gary gygax is from wisconsin but the the guy who made D&D is from Wisconsin. Um and I suppose this guy who made the next big fantasy game, but a lot of them are serial killers. It was a very meandering thought. Yeah, we for whatever reason, um the combination of ridiculous weather and farmland just makes people want to go out and uh you know, stab people to death or come up with the next great game. Those those are your yeah. options. <laughs> you can become a fantasy novelist too we've got patrick rothfuss Ooh, yeah wonder where neil stevenson is from seattle you know that never mind i was gonna google it <laughs> he's in seattle now i'm not sure where he was born but as far as the midwest goes um this book the other one by neil gaiman american gods um also has most of its central action takes place in the midwest so there must just be something about the Midwest that, like, sci-fi fantasy authors find so enrapturing. Yeah. Um, it Maybe it's just, like, uh, there's a good amount of people, but the people are still spread out enough to not be... So that when, say, in American Gods, when there's a war between new and old gods, that no one really notices. Like, it's kind of boring if it happens in, in the middle of Wyoming because there's no people there to notice. Yeah. But if it happens in Wisconsin and, and Iowa, then You've got to be people discreet, notice, but, not but it's not too discreet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The next note I made was about Richard's um, schedule and how he color codes it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I highlighted that too. Basically, he, he color codes green for work. Um, hold on, I have to go back and... Okay, yeah, green was good because it's work. And he likes his his business, I guess. Um, blue was the color of family and other personal activities. Mm-hmm. And then red was... What was red? Totally forgot what red was. Maybe that... Was that like uh, red was, showering and stuff? Red was taxes and... Um, doctor's appointments, things that just totally screwed up his flow. Yeah, things that he can't get out of, but s- still doesn't isn't good for his. So yeah, uh, I 
don't actually color code it, but I do completely understand what he's saying. You don't color code your calendar? Uh, not really, no. Um, let me take a look here. Um, no, I don't. Hmm. I don't put enough stuff on my calendar to color code to have that be uh, useful. Oh, okay. That makes sense, yeah. Which is still a bad habit that I need to get out of, but... Yeah. Or a good habit that I have not established yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, family and just general, like, recording this podcast are all red, just because that's the default that it started me off with. Um, birthdays are two different shades of blue for some reason, just, <laughs> I don't know, I'm really not sure. Um, I had my professor office hours, and that was handy. I could color code each one by the color that that class was colored for me, so like in Todoist, I would keep my... Like, my writing Milwaukee class was always yellow, and so then my office hours, I could just look for the little yellow chunk and figure out where my mm. professor had their office hours. Um, school is blue, and then work is green, and those are all separated into different calendars just so I can show and hide different things, and then for work, I have it set up to automatically notify me before work, because sometimes I forget. All right. And that's all just because it was the default color. There's no real thought behind the color of it. But <laughs> this book did not just have color willy-nilly. All the color was really deliberate. The use of color. Yeah. Um. Actually, even before that, Kindle does an interesting thing as you're reading through on a Kindle book. It'll show you where everyone else is highlighted. and it'll. Uh, why would someone highlight something? I don't know. I... Let's find what the nearest popular highlight to where I am right now is. Um, so one of the top highlighted ones was on page 21. It being the permanent ongoing tragedy of Iowa that their well-brought-up young were obliged to flee the state in order to find employment worthy of their qualities. So I guess just stuff that really resign, resigns, resounds impacts the reader as they're going through and seems right. witty or something. Um so it's it's interesting when I'm reading on this Kindle to see what the highlights are. The other one was talking about how the youngsters' sense of irony stopped them still when they walked into the Walmart. It was a weird phrasing, I suppose. The young ones shuffled to stop as their ironic sensibilities, which served them in lieu of souls, were jammed by a signal of overwhelming power. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I guess it's just the this, this stuff that people can feel snarky about, or... Whatever it is. I I don't know if there's a theme I've found. For me, it's when I take notes on something, I try and highlight it too. Right. When I was um, in classes taking notes on fiction or on other things like that, they were a little more philosophical. Um, not to say that Neil Stevenson isn't, but any of the philosophy that's in it is under a layer or two of storytelling, whereas it was more surface- um, like in Raymond Carver, it's a little more clearly driving home a point. Um, yeah. Right. So, so now I don't really know what to put in it because it feels less like it was written to be parsed out and to, to find what that point is that the author is trying to drive home. So it, it's weird kind of transitioning then from that academic note taking to just book club note taking. Yeah. Right. I, and, uh, I was never very good at the academic book uh, note-taking. I very frequently was just like, um, 
I, I take the story too literally, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think about, I, maybe I should, but I don't think about when I'm reading something, uh, whether or not the author saying the curtains are blue means the character is sad. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's a lot less obvious than that. It's a lot, it, it is more academic than that, but I don't notice stuff like that. It's just part of the story. And yeah. I like I like hearing stories and I like reading stories and I don't think about the philosophical implications of the story very much until mm-hmm. pretty much the end. So I get the overarching theme, but not yeah. um the little the little things, like the per chapter philosophies. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the thing that he does here is just speaks some truths that may not be as apparent, makes them more visible. Um and then I guess just kind of playing towards this weird nerd recluse stereotype is the other thing that he speaks to in this chapter. But I, I also didn't parse out any big themes or anything. I, I was reading this at the same time as I was reading Homeland, which is one of Cory Doctorow's like young adult novels. I actually recommend anyone listening read it, especially you, Stephen. It's a good book. You should probably read Little Brother first. That's the sequel to Little Brother is Homeland. It's about civil disobedience in a technological age. Um, but the way that Cory Doctorow writes is a lot like how Neil Stevenson writes, in that sometimes it feels like this weird textbook fit in with a narrative where they're talking about terrain generation and how um, how his algorithms are working on this and how color theory works and <laughs> these different social aspects to it. And in Cory Doctorow, it's a lot of how encryption works and some surface level on torrenting and a lot of this stuff to get you introduced a lot of the weird geeky things that i do actually came from the first time that i read cory doctorow's little brother oh i didn't know so, that yeah it's, it's a lot of good little facts i suppose that are all rolled up into one big story because they're dudes who just know a lot and also want to write fiction right yeah and then as far as uh the substance of the book they're talking about this game terrain and he says that you can dig into it you can like actually dig into the mountains and that's one of the nice things about the terrain of terrain uh is that you could go at it with a pickaxe or something have you ever played minecraft on a server steven uh once i think once um was it like a public server no it was uh it was uh local okay at someone's house i forget yeah pretty much everything that happened that's that's all right. Usually this issue more shows up on public servers. Your first night in Minecraft, what happens is you run around and you dig up a bunch of stuff and the night happens and you're like, oh shoot, there are monsters coming. The best way to avoid those monsters is to build a giant tower with all of the dirt that you just happened to pick up, up into the sky, and now the monsters can't get to you. But okay. also what that means is if like a an archer happens to snipe you off of that tower or you just walk away from it now near spawn on the server there's a giant pillar leading up into the sky so i'm wondering if you can dig into the terrain what happened what what stops you from i guess the equivalent of doing these new pillars if you can only dig then what happens stops you from doing tunnels but i'm assuming you can also build Hmm. I, i don't really see what you're concerned about mostly that it's ugly there's not a Oh, okay. Gotcha. But if I had logged into a game and the first thing that I saw 
at my spawn location was just a bunch of pillars reaching into the sky. I wouldn't. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it wouldn't be that breathtaking first view of the landscape. It'd be a bunch of weird pillars of dirt. Couldn't it just be that everyone has a different spawn point? Possibly, yeah. A different enough spawn point that they um that that you that you mm-hmm. wouldn't see a pillar in the sky. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, or maybe we won't. And then the other problem I know with Minecraft servers like that is um, griefing, which is where people will just run in and destroy all of your stuff. But this being an MMO with guilds and factions, that's kind of the point. Yeah, right. Like griefing isn't a thing on Eve because you're supposed to be destroying everyone's stuff. (laughs) Millions and millions of real world dollars of everyone's stuff. Right, right. That's probably actually, Eve is probably the closest analog to this game, because they do have a team of uh, economics researchers working on their game to make sure that their economy stays stable. Do you want to explain Eve quick? Eve is a lot like Terrain. It's an MMO, but instead of being on a world, it's in space. There are some guilds. They fight each other. That's about all I know. Okay. It's online, hence (laughs) Eve Online. Makes sense. So in two weeks, we will come back with our thoughts on day zero and day one, because we both, because Zach and I decided that we could read more than just 30 pages in two weeks. If, if you're reading along with us, be sure to tweet at us at the handles mentioned earlier about anything you think about the book, or if you think we're off our rockers, and clearly Neil Stevenson has a very um, blatant point that he's driving towards in this first chapter of the book uh or if you think that actually more than half of the wikipedia pages on the midwest are about serial killers (laughs) can't be less than half i don't believe it but more than half maybe doubtful (laughs) but maybe (laughs) all right well we'll talk to you all in two weeks then it was was nice talking to you steven you too zach goodbye goodbye